Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Read Option Podcast. I am your host, as always, Jordan Reed. Alongside Brentley Wiseman, Dre Harris will not be joining us tonight, unfortunately. It has been a while, man. Feels like forever since we've been back on the mic. How's everything going with you, man? Man, it has been a while. I had to miss uh, Friday's show. I was on vacation out in Nashville. A um, lot of fun. Um, obviously, got to watch a ton of football while I was out there. And uh, happy to be back, man. Excited to talk some ball, kind of talk what we watched over the weekend. And I think there's a lot of interesting storylines, both in the NFL and in college football, that I'm excited to uh, kind of get your thoughts on. For sure. I have to ask you, though, did you get to go downtown in Nashville? I did. I did. So I hit Broadway uh, both Thursday and Friday during the day. I, we were actually visiting a friend, and she lived in Midtown, so we kind of got to look at Nashville from more of the local lens. So. We did some touristy stuff, obviously, but we did kind of stay off the main areas of the of the kind of touristy parts for a lot of the trip, which is, I think is really cool. But overall, man, like I'm a huge fan of the South, huge fan of the, the city, like the football kind of um, tradition, even though I wasn't in like actual, you know, Alabama or LSU, there's a whole bunch of transplants who went to those schools who live in Nashville. So hanging out with them and hearing their kind of traditions, their fight songs and and the rivalries, things like that. Like just gives you a really good appreciation for the South and their their love for football. Like I always tell you and Dre, football is different (laughs) here in the South. I'm glad you got to enjoy it. But yeah, downtown Nashville definitely is a site for sure. I remember going there a couple of years ago. I think it was a coaches convention. It was like three or four years ago. And that was my first time actually experiencing Nashville and Talk about some fun, man, and some good food, too. Downtown Nashville, for sure, is a lot of fun. So for those of you listening that have never been to Nashville or downtown Nashville, we both highly recommend it. Something we do not recommend is the brand of football that we saw <laughs> last night between the Saints and the Seahawks. You talk about a game that was really brutal to get through besides the touchdown pass to, to DK Metcalf, Geno Smith, just has proven that he is not the answer. Obviously, we all could have probably predicted that after Russ went down. Jameis has just been so inconsistent, even though he does show flashes, but he'll have some instances of where you're just like, man, what in the heck is he looking at when he throws this ball? But this was a brutal game to get through. New Orleans ends up getting the victory 13-10 to with a last-second field goal to help them get the victory. But overall thoughts on this one? Just brutal. Really, really a brutal watch. And, and and I know a lot's been said about Pete Carroll and kind of his style of coaching. And, you know, when you juxtapose his style to like a brand Staley and they're polar opposites in the sense where Staley's aggressive. He's going forward on fourth and long and he'll he'll dial up pass plays, you know, near the end of the game when he could have easily kicked a field goal. And then you have Pete Carroll who's literally running the football, you, you know, on – the, uh, the excuse, sorry about that. Can you still hear me, Jordan? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, so I had I had some background. Sorry, sorry about that, guys. But 
Um, you know, you, ha- you have Pete Carroll. He run- he's running the football nonstop, not getting any yards. Demario Davis and those boys on the Saints defense are playing outstanding tonight. Clearly, the Seattle couldn't get their running game going. You have to try something else. Like Pete, I know you want to run the ball. I know you want to establish the run. I know you want to protect Geno Smith. If you want to win the game, you have to let him at least try to air it out. I mean, you have good players on the outside in DK and Tyler Lockett. They were actually winning and separating down the field. You have to at least give Geno a chance. And it, it, it's, it's his unwillingness to be flexible, and he's just so stuck in his own ways and stubborn. Where, again, I mean, if I'm Russell Wilson and I'm watching this, it's like, what are we doing, man? Like – he, you gotta adapt. You gotta evolve. You got, you gotta, you know, change it up. And I just thought, to me, that was a really glaring thing from tonight's game. And also, just the NFL. I mean, look, it's it's a players' league. And, and at the end of the day, the Saints had the two best players on the field. You know, Alvin Kamara is special. You know, some of the things he was doing tonight in the open field was outstanding. And then Demario Davis, absolute monster of a game. I think he had yeah. ten tackles like uh, uh, two sacks and he was all over the place. He was phenomenal. So, you know, really strong performances from uh, Kamara and Davis in a very lackluster Monday night football game. So my next question, and I think this is really interesting. You're sitting at two and five. If you're Seattle, your next four are Jacksonville. Then you have a bye week after that. Green Bay, Arizona, Washington. So things could definitely continue to spiral uh, after that. If you're Russ, do you even come back? Gosh, he, he, he definitely he he will. You know, yeah, I think he, he definitely will. Um, that being said, you know, like if I'm his agent, I don't know how hard I'm pushing, right? Because as you mentioned, I mean, so can you can you uh, re-say who the, who the opponents are? So Jacksonville. Okay, next week, that's a win. You have a bye week. Okay, Green Bay. Arizona, Washington. So you could be looking at going one and three in those next four games. That will put them at what is that? Two and eight. I mean, three they would eight. be three, three and eight. eight. So they yeah. would be. I mean, in the NFC, they're in that division. They're almost certainly out of the playoffs. Yeah. So if I'm Russ and his agent, and I'm already potentially going to force a trade in the offseason, which again at this point in time. I'm not sure how you can be on the sidelines and watch your head coach make these decisions and not want to leave. Again, like I know Russ, I mean, he's you know the golden boy. He's he's a really good soldier. You know he'll do what's best for the team. But if I'm his agent, if I'm his family, like I'm telling him, maybe maybe milk it a little bit. You know, like, don't yeah. come back and risk injury. <laughs> don't hurt your stock. You know, like, I. I it's tough. I, I think that's going to be one of the more fascinating storylines to watch throughout the rest of this season. If they continue to lose games, what does Russ do? Because, again, I could easily convince myself if I'm him, this is it. Like, this is a wrap for me. Like, I'm not going to subject my body and my, and my playing career to, to this any, any longer. Yeah, if I'm Russ, I'm milking this thing, man. Like, just because – with it being a down year, especially with quarterbacks in the draft, we're talking about some teams that definitely could get desperate as far as wanting a quarterback. And I'm just going through the list of teams that potentially could need a quarterback. The Panthers are definitely one. Yeah. Um, the Broncos are definitely one for sure. The Texans are an obvious one. 
Um, let's see who else. The Miami Dolphins potentially could be in the race I mean, for a quarterback. Team. We have the Philadelphia Eagles. I definitely think they're going to be in the market. The Steelers are definitely going to be in the market. And then Washington. So yeah. that's like six or seven teams right there already. So if I'm Russ and his agent, I'm licking my chops <laughs> of where like potential places that we could go just because it's going to be a circus for this year's quarterback group. And as far as the movement around the league and with their, with it not being a good quarterback class, there's going to be some teams that overpay Seattle if they do end up trading Russ just because – I mean, it's not a good draft class as far as quarterbacks. And then, obviously, it's going to be hard to find a quarterback in free agency. That's just not how it works. It's very rare for those type of players to hit the market. So, we're talking about with Seattle potentially getting two to three-plus first-round picks. Even though Russ is a little bit older, I think he's pushing 30-plus already. But, I mean, with his talent, him being a top five to top eight quarterback when he is healthy for sure, I mean, with the things being down as far as the quarterback class and the 2022 class with the draft, there's no potential or excuse me, there's a huge potential as far as the conversation that Seattle could get for a trade for Russ. But that's way, way down the road. But if I'm wrestling his agent, I'm thinking like, man, what's the rush to get back? I know they're not going to maximize my abilities here. We already secretly requested a trade last year. If you remember, he kind of backtracked on that a little bit, but I mean, there's not going to be a random rumor that comes out that you request a trade and then you never refuted it either. That's something that he never came out and said that he denied it. So I just don't see like his future being with long term with Seattle. I just don't see how that's going to work. I think the only way that it could work moving forward is if Russ, you know, we know he's not going to go public to the media. That's not his style. He's not like Aaron Rodgers where he wants that kind of criticism. But the only way, in my opinion, that it can work moving forward is if he forces speed out. I, th- I think Russ, he wants much, he wants to be the biggest voice in the locker room. And clearly with Pete there, he'll never be that. You know, again, I think we mean you talked about it before, but Pete still treats Russ with, you know, kid gloves. You know, he still acts like he's the same, you know, third round pick who, you know, he all, all he needs is a couple key throws here and there because he has a running game in the Legion of Boom. Like, I, I, I don't see how this relationship is going to continue the way the way this is heading. So, you know, I do anticipate this to be Russ's last year. Again, only if, you know, Pete doesn't get the ax, which if I'm ownership, I, if, I, if I'm forced to pick between one or the other, I'm going with Russ. I mean, clearly Pete's, I think he's pushing 70 years old. How much lar- longer is he going to coach anyways? You know, and so – it's, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting storylines to follow because rarely do we see a, a top three quarterback on the move like we might potentially see you know, with the rest of the Seahawks. So what you're saying is Pete Carroll is going back to USC. That's what I'm hearing, right? <laughs> possibly. I mean, I, I mean, possibly because we know, we know Pete. I mean, he might be 70, but, you know, he's, not, he's one not to back away from a, a challenge. And so – can you imagine the legacy he'll have if he can go back to USC and obviously uh, reignite what he once had in the early 2000s? And I, I know we're, we're we're probably getting ahead of ourselves, but that would yeah. be that would be something for the ages, I would say. It would for sure. But now before we move on, I want to remind everybody about Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. 
BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new and updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V, Five zero to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So I want to go ahead and get into some of these game balls for the week just because we had a bunch of spectacular performances throughout the country and I already know where you're going with your first one. You were raving about this guy in our group chat on Saturday. And Kayvon Thibodeau, man, like that dude was incredible against UCLA. I actually went back and watched that game this morning. And I was shocked at like their scheme to block him. Like they were using (laughs) tight ends to block him. Sometimes they were leaving the offensive tackle on the island. They were leaving the running back one-on-one with him matched up. And I was just like, man, like, what was Chip Kelly thinking? I just think they overthought a lot of things with him. And they just didn't really respect him, which I was really surprised by that. But, I mean, kudos to him. He was taking full advantage of the way that they schemed around him. But And I tweeted this Saturday night as I was watching the game live and that KT's at the point now where he was receiving a bunch of Jadavion Clowney comps, which I think is fair to him. And not from an off-the-field or attitude standpoint, but just strictly talking about them as prospects as far as the athleticism, um, the size, and then just the explosiveness. I think it's a very apt comparison. But where I think he's different from Clowney is how he impacts the game consecutively, and he's able to string positive plays together. I think that's something that's a little bit different from him and Clowney. Clowney will make a flash play, and then he'll disappear for one to two drives after that. But with KT, he's able to string – consecutive big time plays together back to back to back. But now KT's at the point now where he's just not out athleting people. He's actually stringing moves together. He's making sense of these moves that he's attacking. He's attacking certain hands, shoulders, and arms. Um, as you saw, he had a, he had a, it was called a ghost move that Von Miller uses all the time um, that he was able to move on, on the right tackle, which was phenomenal. And like, man, the, the sky's the limit for that guy. You just see him consecutively getting better every single week. Yeah, and and for me, Jordan, and I said this, I think, after the Cal game where I thought he single-handedly won us that game in the second half, he's just doing it in the crucial moments of the game. And I know, you know, we like to talk about having the it factor and being a clutch player as it pertains to quarterbacks, but that translates to all positions. You know, I think all players, you need some level of clutchness. Obviously, the quarterback, the ball's in their hand, so you want him to be the, the you know the, your, your most clutch player that you have. But KT, on those gotta have it third downs, on those fourth down stands, he's the one that's making the plays. The off and I and look, Chip Kelly, his his game plan obviously a lot, a lot to be desired. You know, you definitely gotta be chipping KT, having you know two men on him at all times. You can't let him get the free runs like as, as he was getting, but. Everyone in that building knew, like, who's going to make a play? And KT is the best player on the field. And time and time again, he showed up in a big, big way. I mean, the stats are the stats. I think he had, what, nine tackles, two sacks, four and a half tackles for loss, which is just it's mind-boggling when you say those numbers. But I could argue those numbers don't even do the film justice. I mean, he was truly everywhere 
And even when he wasn't getting home, he's affecting the play in other ways where he's, you know, forced the quarterback to step up. And then, you know, Brandon Doralis makes the play or Noah Sewell will make the play because KT knocked him off his spot, you know. And so I think, again, like back-to-back games is truly dominating performances. And it's really good because he's, again, he's dealt with injuries, you know, earlier this season. You know, he had the ankle against Fresno State. He had the foot against Arizona. He could have easily tapped out this year. But instead, he's just further cementing his status as, in my opinion, the best player in the country, to me, I mean, at this point. And, you know, easily the surefire, you know, edge number one. So he'll, he'll, he, there's nothing much he needs to do, in my opinion. You know, he, he's going to be a top three pick. It just depends who has, who has the pick and what, who needs what in terms of position of need. But yeah, I mean, he's obviously getting, getting my game ball. He was outstanding. And, you know, I, I think he, as you mentioned, he's only getting better, you know, so it's going to be fun watching him throughout the rest of the year and kind of seeing how he continues to develop and improve. Based off the teams that I've seen that have the number one overall pick or in contention for the number one overall pick, I mean, he should go number one no matter what, in my opinion. And we're talking about the Texans, the Lions, the Eagles, uh, and I know the Dolphins pick goes to the Eagles, I believe. So those are the three teams that really are in contention for the number one overall selection right now but I mean he should go number one no matter what just because you're not going to take a safety number one overall I like Kyle Hamilton but I'm not and he's him. hurt yeah that too uh, Evan Neal I mean he can be a contention for number one overall depending on who gets the selection but I don't know if he's a tackle that you take number one overall and I love Evan Neal but I just don't know if he's that type of prospect that you're going to take number one overall but I mean, with Thibodeau, man, like he just looks the part. He's the type of player that's going to come in day one, and you know he's going to be a 10-plus sack guy for sure. So, I mean, no matter what, who gets the number one overall pick, if you don't feel good about any of these quarterbacks, which I don't, I don't, I'm not in love with any of these guys right now anyway. So I would take Thibodeau number one overall, but that's just me. And then, and then real quick, it's just, I keep going back to this, but it's the fact that he could have sat out. You know, he could have right. sat out. You watch Micah Parsons and what he's doing in the league, and he sat out. He's balling. You know, uh, Jamar, Jamar Chase. Chase. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about so, him in a second, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, he sat out, you know, and he's balling and taking the league by storm. Even Panay Sewell at Oregon, he's playing really well as a rookie. But KT, man, he just has it from an intangible standpoint where he wanted to play ball. He thinks this team at Oregon is good enough to compete for the playoff. He wanted to be there for his teammates. And even after he got hurt twice, two separate times he got hurt, two different injuries, never sat out, you know, never, you know, wanted to quit, always wanted to play. And he's just doing it for his team. So from a talent, size, athleticism standpoint, check, check, check. And I truly believe as a person and as a teammate and someone you want in your building, from a character standpoint, he's off the charts. I mean, he really is. So, you know, we, I don't want to spend this whole podcast talking about KT, but it was uh, it was a dominating performance. It. Yeah, 100%. It was, for sure. And, you know, my next game ball, I'm going to go to Pitt, and I'm going to go to Kenny Pickett. Yeah. And I actually rewatched this game this morning. He ends up 25 of 39 for 302 yards and two touchdowns. And, you know, his stats aren't all that great. Um, I mean, 300 yards is 300 yards, but – I think the thing that I've been most impressed with with Pickett that he's made the transition into being is his mobility. I didn't expect him to be as mobile 
as he was uh, just watching him from a far distance. I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not over the ACC, so I haven't really tracked his career to this point, but just watching Pickett and just how much he's gotten better. But with him being a fifth year senior, I think he plays exactly like that. And what I mean by that is he doesn't put the offense in bad situations ever. When he doesn't like what he sees down the field, he's looking to run the ball, but he knows and he understands that he's not a super mobile guy. So what he does is he gets the defense to suck up on him and he keeps his eyes down the field. And that's where he was able to hit some of those reappearing targets. He had a beautiful corner route uh, throw against Clemson on the run. They rolled out to the right and he was able to throw it to the corner route. He had a beautiful post touchdown route, a throw touchdown over the middle too, touchdown throw over the middle too. So yeah, Kenny Pickett, man, he, he's really starting to look the part and he's really developing and taking that next step. Now, the thing that is going to be arguable and I think is going to happen a lot in draft rooms as far as how high you take Pickett is just the ceiling of what yeah. he can be just because I think he's on that trajectory of where you don't know uh, if he's going to be that player that can really uplift and overcome his surroundings. I don't know if he's going to be that type of quarterback just because you're going to have to have adequate surroundings around him. But at Pitt, he's never had a super deep or a super, super good wide receiver corpse. Uh, I can't even name one wide receiver that's come out of Pitt in the past few years that's been productive uh, more so on the next level. So with Kenny Pickett, that's something that he's always able to overcome. And, you know, I talked about Pickett quite a bit last year, uh, and I studied him in depth a little bit just because a lot of people thought he actually was going to come out but he didn't. He ended up going back uh, for, you know, for his fifth year exercising that extra year that he got for COVID. And it's played, it's really, really paid off for him. He, he's really taken the next step and unlocked the next stage of his development. But once again, the thing that's always going to be arguable about him is just what is the ceiling here? And that's why I'm not all in on him being a first round guy. And, you know, I don't want to say a team is going to make a mistake, but I think some team is probably going to end up taking him higher than what he should go just because of what the quarterback class is this year and what he showed on film as far as being one of the more or arguably the most consistent guy. I think him and Carson Strong have by far been the most consistent quarterbacks of the bunch. But once again, you're talking about the ceiling of what he can be on the next level. I think that's always going to be a worry with Pickett. Yeah, I mean, I think Kenny Pickett's been probably the biggest beneficiary to this weak quarterback class. Um, you know, him obviously getting the opportunity to return as a fifth-year senior, you know, and, he, and he's played a lot of football. So you expect him to look good and, and poise and make good decisions. So in my opinion, he's really doing everything that we, he should be doing, right? I mean, he's a fifth-year guy. He's played a ton of ball. He's been in the system for quite a while. And so while I appreciate his game and his success this year, I thought he, I thought he was phenomenal on Saturday – Thought he thoroughly, thoroughly outplayed DJ Unglele, who, yeah. to me, I mean, I, I don't know, Been a massive disappointment. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know about him <laughs> moving forward. But, um, you know, as it pertains to Pickett's pro prospects, to me, it's the size. I know he's listed at six three two twenty, but you know, I know, I know the hand size is going to be a major question for scouts. Um, he does move the move the move well with his legs, but he's not like the most dynamic athlete in the world. He has an above average arm. You know, I wouldn't call it great or even very good. And I think it's just above average, which you can win with, by the way. But it's just when you start talking about a first round quarterback, you know, the word that you mentioned and the one that I can't really get over is the ceiling. What is his ceiling? You know, is his ceiling Kirk Cousins? 
because yeah, I mean, yeah, let's take let's let's take him all day in the first round, in my opinion. But like, it, that is like, how hard is it going to be for him to reach that ceiling? Like, I don't feel great about taking a Kirk Cousins type quarterback at once I know he's going to be Kirk Cousins. Like, I can't say for certain that he will be Kirk Cousins. You know, like, and that's too big of a risk. You know, if, for, for in the first round at least, I would love Kenny Pickett. You know, bottom around two, kind of Kyle Trask area. Davis Mills, Mills top around three. Like, sign up all. Okay, here we go. Davis Mills, Kenny Pickett as a prospect right now, like coming out. I think Davis um, Mills. Uh, I disagree. I go. Think, okay, I was here. I was not a Mills fan. Okay, at all. I think he was just riding the wave of being a former five star recruit, and then the sample size was so small. I think he only started what eleven games at Stanford. Eleven games. I just yeah. never saw it. With David that, Mills, I like Pickett much more. So that's the thing. That, and that's where I think it's a preference, right? Because I would be willing to take a risk on a Davis Mills who has the prototypical size, athleticism, big arm, you know, and his whole thing was the sample size. You know, he, was, he was injured the entire time, you know, did, wasn't able to show consistently, you know, his, his, his skill set on tape. But, like, with Kenny Pickett, where we have seen his skill set, it's just to me leaves a little bit to be desired. So I, I would always err on the side of you know, taking a swing for a, a more toolsy guy, a more a, a guy who, if I do hit, the upside is way better in my opinion than than a Kenny Pickett. But it's just a matter of preference, you know. And so I will be fascinated to see kind of just how high he continues to raise his stock because there's no denying it. He's certainly helped himself. But again, when you start comparing him to the other quarterbacks in this class, whether that's a Carson Strong, a Malik Willis, uh, even Desmond Ritter, the upside to me just isn't there with Pickett yet. And so, you know, we'll we'll just have to see. But I can tell you right now why a lot of people are going to like him more than the others. It's just because of the consistency with him. And then the accuracy is much better than Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter. We know both of those guys struggle with their consistency with accuracy. And while the upside may be better, I think there's going to be some teams that are more comfortable with going with more, not more so the sure thing, but as far as the more polished players right now. And sometimes you can get caught chasing that potential as opposed to what you already see with your eyes already. And that's why I think, like, I mean, Kenny Pick is going to kill it at the Senior Bowl or East-West Shrine, whichever one he plays in. Like, he has the game to – and the personality and the charisma to tailor-made. Like, he's tailor-made for all of those events. He's going to look good in 7-on-7. Seven seven. He's going to look good in 11-on-11. Eleven eleven. He's going to pass every test as far as all the meetings that he goes to just because he's a fifth-year senior. He knows what to say. He knows the offense. He's going to be able to talk through his mistakes. Why – you know, he only had or it took him so long to break out. So, I mean, he's going to kill it in the pre-draft process. So it wouldn't surprise me if he goes like back in of the first round. Like that would not surprise me at all. So I think there's going to there's going to be some teams that are a little bit more comfortable with going more of the polished version of Kenny Pickett as opposed to chasing the quote unquote potential with a Desmond Ritter or a Malik Willis. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, look, I'm just happy we have – another name, right? Because I just yeah. feel like for so long we were just talking about the same guys and we would talk about them and we would all just kind of feel the same way. We're like, yeah, like these guys have some strengths, but they also have some clear potentially, you know, 
very, very bad weaknesses in, in some of the, with some of these guys. And so, you know, I, I think we needed a new name to kind of rise to the top and, and at least be in this conversation of, okay, like, is he making it somewhat interesting? And so I do, at the very least, think Pickett has done that, which is a very, very welcome thing for us because we, we, we needed this. We needed someone yeah. to step up, you know, this year for sure. For sure. Did you have anybody else that you wanted to shout out? To give a game ball to, yeah, you know, quickly. I know this kid's not eligible. I don't think Jordan, but the, the Wake Forest quarterback. I mean, did you watch that game? That game was insane. Yeah. Like it was. I, I was. I was uh, <laughs> between that and the uh, Kansas Oklahoma. My morning was just like these games are incredible. But I think Sam Hartman. He had, was he twenty three of twenty nine, four hundred fifty yards and five touchdowns in a in a very very explosive game. So I just want to give him a shout out because I thought he was sensational. Yeah, I'm going to live scout Wake Forest in a yeah. couple of weeks when they play NC State just because I want to get some eyes on the, the NC State left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ikem McQuanu, I want to get some eyes on him. And then also Wake Forest has a wide receiver that yeah. I like too, Ja'Kari Roberson, who stood out in this game. I think he had over 150 yards and three touchdowns too. So, yeah, Wake Forest has a good team this year. Now, I don't know how they're going to stack up to some of these other ranked teams as far as being in the top 15. Right now, I'm not that confident in Wake Forest, but they have a really good team this year, being able to put 70 points on Army and just how it, show it how explosive they were. Sam Hartman, yeah, like you said, he was terrific in this game. And like I always say, if you got a good quarterback, you got a chance <laughs> to win the conference. And that's exactly what Wake Forest has. They have some really good underclassmen, too, that we'll be talking about in a couple years from now or even next year in 2023. But my last game ball that I want to give out to is Drake London, the wide receiver from USC. And this game was really, really fun to watch. USC Notre Dame, this is one of my favorite rivalries just because I grew up on, you know, Matt Leinart or Reggie Bush pushing Matt Leinart into the end zone in this rivalry game. And, you know, USC isn't the USC of old, but just seeing the Trojans going up against Notre Dame, that's one of my favorite rivalries that I always liked watching on TV growing up. But Drake London was terrific in this game, man. He's consistently stacked good games together. And even though he didn't get in the end zone in this one, he had 15 catches for 171 yards. And, you know, this is a discussion that we'll get into here in a second just because I wanted to put this on the show notes just because I was just thinking this weekend. And I wrote about this back when the the Nikhil Harry trade request came out as far as contested catch wide receivers. And that's something that Drake London has really made a living off of and I think he kind of falls into that same realm of, you know, Mike Williams and Mike Evans and what we see now with Jamar Chase of where it's kind of a slippery slope of where you have to be careful. You have to be careful and that you don't just want to say that he's just strictly a contested catch guy. You want to make sure that that's just a part of his catalog and not something that his entire game revolves around. And this is a lesson that I'll never forget. Laquan Treadwell, I'll never forget the lesson that he taught me and that, you can't just have contested catches as your bread and butter on your resume. If that's just your 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 bread and butter on your resume, you're not going to be very successful in, in the league. But if that's a part of your catalog, like we see now with Jamar Chase, and I think something that a lot of people missed on his evaluation of just limiting him to just being that and just having questions about that separation, I think you're going to miss on that evaluation. I think with receivers – you know, as evaluators, we can just get too cute, you know, and and we really need to stop looking at what these players can't do. Well, let me say this, what we, what we think they can't do and really need to focus on what they're showing us consistently that they can do. I mean, like, 
I just remember in the pre-draft process, Jamar Chase was kept getting knocked because you know he wasn't separating like a like a Jerry Judy did or like a Devontae Smith did, and he wasn't super quick and explosive laterally in and out of cuts. But like, and then and then people just kept uh, limiting him to an undersized position receiver, you know. And and to me, it's like, what what are we talking about here? You know, like like this guy dominated the SEC. the SEC. <laughs> like like it's it's insane. Like it's to blow my mind. You know, before my Twitter got hacked, I had a tweet. I was like. We just watched Justin Jefferson shatter all the records in, in the league, and he was a clear number two to Jamar yeah. Chase. Like, that should have told us all we needed to know. I mean, like, he's an alpha. He has ball skills. He's explosive. I mean, he looks like Steve Smith out there. That's My, my comp for Jamar Chase is Steve Smith right now. Like, he's a little – he's not the tallest receiver, but he plays big. He's impossible to bring down after the catch. He's confident and has that swagger where I don't care if I'm a rookie, all pro corner, Marlon Humphrey, like you're you're done. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna torch you all day. Like you gotta have that dog in you. And that's where I do think, you know, when you talk about a Nikhil Harry or you talk about a Laquan Treadwell, like I think it's mental, man, because you 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 see the the testing numbers and the size and you know some of the things they can do when the like when they are playing the jump ball, like, but then I just feel like you know, maybe it may, is it lazy? I mean, and these are the questions we won't know, but like, is it laziness? Is it just they're content with making it to the league, but they don't really want to like dominate like a Jamar Chase or, or a Steve Smith where they have that chip on their shoulder? I don't know. But like, I think there is some sort of mental thing in terms of those receivers. And Drake London, I mean, this, this kid isn't sensational. I was talking to a West yeah. Coast scout. The Mike Evans comparisons, that's what everyone has, has in terms of on the West Coast. He probably won't run as fast. You know, he's probably a low 4-5 guy, but he can bend. He can sink his hips. He's definitely a full route shoot kind of guy. I'm like, I already know what's going to happen. He's going to be labeled as a, you know, pressure receiver who only runs goes and slants and he can't bend and sink his hips and get out of breaks. That's not the case. Like, he can he can do all of that. He's flexible. He's excellent hands. I mean, to me, he he needs to be in the Heisman Trophy conversations. Like, I think if you put him and Devontae Smith's numbers up from last year, I think I think London might have better numbers through the halfway point of the season. So, you know, he he's having a sensational year. But I just feel like you know when we, when we look at him as a prospect, we need to really just appreciate, you know what he is as a player, you know, and really not try to overthink this. And he's dominating week in and week out. He can't be stopped for gosh sakes. Like he, 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 he's a first round player in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And you know, this wide receiver class is really starting to look better yeah. week after week. And I mean, we have some really good players in the, in this wide receiver class. I'm really excited about this group, man. But London really, I wouldn't say came out of nowhere, but nobody was really expecting him to take the next step in his development like this. And I think you're right. I think he's a first-round player for sure. So, I mean, we have the Ohio State guys. We know both of those guys are probably going to end up being first-round picks too. And now you add Drake London into that mix too. So I'm really starting to like this wide receiver class as a whole. Now, I don't think it has a top-end talent like we saw last year with Waddle Chase and then also Devontae Smith, but – I think there's a good mixture of some different types of wide receivers in this group. You know, Jamison Williams of Alabama is one that's really starting to storm forward too. And, you know, me being the area scout for Alabama, 
I wasn't expecting Jameson Williams to show this type of stuff just because at Ohio State, he was primarily a deep threat. That's really how they used him for the most part. But, you know, him being buried on that depth chart has been a blessing in disguise for him getting out of there and then transferring to Alabama. He's really transitioned into being their number one wide receiver. I think he's he's had more targets this season than John Mechie the third overall, and I think he's had a better season than Mechie too, in my opinion. So Jamison Williams is another name to enter into this mix too. So I like this wide receiver class overall for sure. Yeah, another name, uh, and again, I don't. He's not a you know someone on that top tier or anything like that. I wouldn't compare him to Williams, London, or you know Wilson or Olave. But UCLA's Kyle Phillips. Like I, I will be remiss if we don't at least mention him in this receiver class. And you know he may not. He may just be a day three pick. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's plays in the slot. He's played since his freshman. He's true freshman year. Been productive every single year. He he's. He's a guy. Like I, I would not be shocked if he's drafted in the sixth round and we see him as a rookie year making a huge impact. So, you know, for you for all you draft Knicks and, and guys who really pass around football, take a look at Kyle Phillips from UCLA and just and tweet at me because I'm I'm a huge fan of this player. And you know, we always see somebody come out of UCLA and go on to have a productive career. We see what Demetric Felton is doing right now with the Cleveland Browns. They're using him all over the place. So Felton is a guy that transitioned to wide receiver during the week of the Senior Bowl, and he's really stood out ever since that point. Hey, everybody. It's Chris, the producer of the Read Option Podcast, here to tell you about the guy's new sponsor over at Prize Pick, the easy way to play daily fantasy, daily fantasy simplified. This is all you do. You pick anywhere from two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It is just you against the projected numbers, and you have a ton of stats to choose from. You can pick yards, receptions, touchdowns, fantasy points, and a whole lot more. They also allow you to have mixed sport entries. You want to take an over on LeBron combined with an under on Mahomes in the same entry? You can do that. They offer every sport you can think of. NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Head over to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and download the award-winning Prize Picks app. And when you deposit, use the code TDN and you will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. These entries can be made in 60 seconds or left. It's that easy. So head over to Prize Picks on on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Use code TDN and you will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. All right, now I want to get to some week seven takeaways from the NFL. And I think the biggest one for me is just the Deshaun Watson rumors really cranking up. And we see Sam Darnold stinking it up in Carolina. He's just been absolutely awful. I think Tua played well for the most part, but we know how NFL fans are. We live in a microwave society. Everybody wants their quarterbacks to be ready to go right now and stand out and be the best player in the NFL from day one. So Miami seems to be in that Deshaun Watson race. Philadelphia, you're starting to see rumors of them now possibly being in a Deshaun Watson race. But this whole situation is just weird to me, man, with, you know, the the pending court cases, him not being charged and uh, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter both coming out saying that they can't put him on the commissioner's exempt list just because he hasn't been charged with anything. So let's say somebody makes a trade. Miami gives up multiple first round picks and they trot him out there like that's just going to be super weird to me if he's suiting up and playing in a game with all of this stuff going on. And then let's say if he does end up being charged like now, what do you do? You gave up all that draft compensation. You're probably going to have to trade to him just because I don't think. 
that's just going to be a toxic environment for me if he's there with Deshaun. Uh, that's just not it's a situation that's just not going to work. So the Deshaun Watson stuff is just something to monitor, but it's just an overall weird and touchy situation for me. Yeah, I mean, it is. I, I would be shocked if he suits up or wherever he gets traded to, if, if he gets traded. Uh, one, is because, as you mentioned, all the off-the-field stuff, that's just a PR nightmare. I just can't imagine a team really wanting to, you know, take all that on in the middle of the season. The offseason is different, but like in the middle of the season, yeah. I, I have a hard time seeing that. But, you know, one, I, I'm, I'm curious of your thoughts here, you know, because we, we can look at this from two lens, right, two ways. Where do we think Watson will get traded to and where should he want to go to, you know, because obviously the Eagles and the Dolphins, you know, those two are – Consider the favorites and even the Panthers, but more so the Dolphins and Eagles because they have multiple first round picks in multiple, you know, in these next few years where they they can offer the most in terms of a a compensation package where, so if I'm the Texans, I would obviously prefer to trade them to the Dolphins or the Eagles, but if I'm Deshaun Watson, Kyle, Kyle Krabs, I love you, but like, why the heck would you want to go to Miami? I mean, honestly, I mean, they, they, they have not looked good at all. I mean, at all. And I mean, people could be on the hot seat out there. I mean, and then, and then traditionally or historically, they just haven't been at the greatest of organizations. Right. And if I'm, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm leaving a dumpster fire in Houston. Why would I go voluntarily join another one? Again, no offense to Dolphins fans, but that's just the facts. But I, I'm watching two teams really stick out to me and it's the Steelers and it's the Broncos, you know, very two high-level organizations have really strong past success, like recent success. Both rosters are, in my opinion, tailor-made for a playoff run if they had better play at quarterback. So much over the Dolphins, over the Panthers, over the Eagles, for me, if I'm Watson, I would much rather play for the Steelers and the, and the, and the Broncos, but – I, I, again, it's kind of out of his hands in terms of just the trade package that Houston will be looking for. Yeah, this is, is going to be a tricky situation for sure. But where do I think he's going to get traded? Just because now the tricky thing about this is that he has a no trade clause, which throws a wrench in everything just because he can control where he goes. Now, I think he wants to go to Miami just because it's Miami. I mean, Anytime you could play in Miami and have your career in Miami, you have a huge contract there too. I think you have to take it. And I think Miami's defense, they're better than what they have been playing. It's just a situation where they just have no chemistry on offense right now. The offensive coordinator is struggling, running a bunch of RPOs. That's just not making sense for Tua right now. And then, you know, Tua is just making some back-breaking decisions on offense right now too. So, I think Miami makes the most sense uh, for them, but if I'm them, I'm trying to trade them to the Eagles just because you know the draft picks that they do have this year probably going to end up having three first-round picks. And if I'm them, I'm asking for at least two of them for Deshaun Watson still um, just because of the type of the, – the caliber of player that he is. And, you know, with the situation going on, I still think you can get two first-round picks for him. We'll see how realistic that is. But – I can go ahead and turn around and get that situation situated already this year. Um, and, you know, with them, the Texans, they're a long way away. 
right now. So just going ahead and getting, I think there's some star power, especially at the top of the draft this year. So let's say I can get a Kayvon Thibodeau this year if the Lions don't end up getting the first round pick or the, the number one overall pick. And then I can get another player too. I can go ahead and build up my offensive line. I can go ahead and take Evan Neal too if it ends up being a top 10 selection, just speaking in hypothetical terms. Um, or even a Kyle Hamilton or somebody like that. You're going to get a high-end player if you have two top 10 selections. So uh, if I'm Houston, uh, I will prefer Philadelphia, but I just have a sneaky suspicion that it is going to be the Carolina Panthers, and Mm -hmm. here's why. Dave Tepper wants to win, man, and Dave Tepper gets what Dave Tepper wants. He is a very, very rich dude, and he's already came out. and Well, I shouldn't say he he has not come out and said this, but it is rumored that he would give up three to four first-round picks in order to acquire Deshaun Watson, just because he wants to win really bad. And the Sam Darnold trade has just been an absolute disaster. Like, I'm not sure if you have watched him this year, but he has been bad. Ever since they went 3-0, he has just been a dumpster fire ever since that point. And look around. Like, they don't have – well, they do have a first-round pick, but they traded a second, a fourth, and a sixth to get Sam Darnold. It's not a great quarterback class. The offensive line is in shambles. So it's like, where do I turn next after this? They don't have anywhere to turn right now. Sam Darnold's on the crime track for one more year, I believe, after this. And I just think they want to wash their hands and get rid of that situation. And Deshaun Watson, he makes that team a playoff contender, in my opinion, just because that defense is really, really good. Carolina's defense is good. They're really young. But I think they have a chance to be really good. Now, I do think they need another receiver, and they have to improve that offensive line. But we know with the situation that Deshaun Watson has played in in Houston, and how bad that offensive line was outside of Laramie Tunsil. He hides a lot of those warts that you do have up front just because of his mobility, his toughness in the pocket, and his ability to make those big-time throws. So Carolina, I think that's going to be my prediction of where he ends up now. I know he has a no-trade clause. I don't know if he would waive it in order to go to Carolina. But I'm telling you right now, Dave Tepper is going to put a very, very strong offer on the table to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, as he should. You know, I've – that that defense, you know, then having a, a guy like Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, Stuff McCaffrey when he's healthy, um, if I'm Tepper, I think that's a very attractive proposition. And then, as you mentioned, you know, I do think the Texans have a ton of leverage in terms of what they can ask for for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and it goes back to what we said earlier in this podcast. This year's quarterback class, you don't you don't feel great. You really just don't feel great. And if, if if I can trade three first round picks to have Deshaun Watson, assuming the legal situation is, you know, clear, I would willingly trade three first round picks and do that in a heartbeat than drafting Matt Corral in the top ten. Yeah. <laughs> like, <Quest>. sign me <laughs> up Quest. for Deshaun Watson, three first round picks, adios, see you later. I would much rather have that than drafting Malik Willis in the top 15. Like, that's, yeah. it's not even close, you know. So, I think the Texans' leverage in their asking price is a lot higher than maybe it would have been last year when you had what what still could be, but, you know, as a prospects, was a historic quarterback class, you know, with five of those guys going in the first round. So, And, I mean, if I'm Detroit – or, excuse me, Houston – I'm taking the Cleveland Browns approach to the rebuild like they did with Miles Garrett before they drafted Baker and Denzel Ward that following year. Go ahead and get that monstrous defensive end, and let's just call him Mulligan on the quarterback yeah. class. 
this year and let's just try it again in 2023 just because let's say you do draft a quarterback this year. What situation are you putting him in? It's going to be bad. Like, is he going to make you that much better going into 2023? I don't think so. So just go ahead and take the defensive end number one overall, and then let's see where we are as a team in 2023. Go ahead and try it out. Jared Goff out there for another year. Let him use up that final year of his deal. And then Tyrod Taylor, let him go out there and do the same thing <laughs> for us. Let's just go out there and just be bad once again. I know you want to compete, but are you going to be a playoff contender in 2023 if you take Matt Corral or Malik Willis as opposed to Kayvon Thibodeau? No. So just go ahead and take the defensive end and let's see what this quarterback class looks like in 2023. But that's just my opinion. I completely, completely agree. I, I, I think I think I really liked how you mentioned that really at this point in time, no matter who gets the number one pick, it's probably going to be, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau because like there is no quarterback that you would feel remotely good about taking over, you know, a potentially probable pass rusher, which we all, you know, consider KT can be, and that's kind of his ceiling. So I do think he'll be the number one pick. For sure. Did you have anything else that you want to mention before we get out of here? Nah, man, no. Just kind of hoping for some better games next Sunday and Monday. I mean, these midseason games with all the bye weeks happening, just – we're no longer getting that the full just eight games nonstop, every all the action, you know. So hopefully next week's matchups are a little better. Yeah, it was a, a dreadful week of football and college football and then also NFL. This was by far the worst weekend for sure. And, you know, on Thursday or excuse me, Friday show, we'll get into some of these matchups, have a big one yep. between Michigan, Michigan State. That should be a good one. We have yep. Iowa State, West Virginia, Iowa, Wisconsin. Uh, Georgia and Florida this week. That should be a good matchup. Ole Miss, Auburn. So we have some really, really good matchups in this one. Ohio State, Penn State. That is pretty much um, the big-time matchup of the night that everybody's going to be looking forward to. So after last week not having any head-to-head ranked opponents going against each other, we're going to have some really good ones this week. And Friday's show is really going to be a fun one for sure. So looking forward to that one. But as always, thank you guys for listening to the Read Option Podcast. For Brentley Wiseman and myself, Jordan Reed, Make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review. Also, check out the Draft Network. We have plenty of stuff going up daily. Joe Marino, our our colleague, just released his latest mock draft. Be sure to check that out. We also have stuff that is going up every single day from fantasy football to college football and then also NFL articles as well. So be sure to check that out. Once again, that's thedraftnetwork.com. Make sure to follow the Draft Network on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to that as well. As always, leave a five-star review. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We will be back on Friday to talk about week nine of college football action. We'll talk about our red dot players and then, of course, the money line and give our predictions. So see you guys then. See you guys then. And thank you always. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.